There are few things that make people successful. Taking a step forward to change their lives is one successful trait, but it takes some time to get there. How do you move forward to greet the success that awaits you? Welcome to Next Steps Forward with host Chris Meek. Each week, Chris brings on another guest who has successfully taken the next steps forward. Now, here is Chris Meek. Hello, I'm Chris Meek, and you've tuned in this week's episode of Next Steps Forward. As always, it's an honor and pleasure to have you with us again. Today's guest is Megan Murphy. Megan is the author of Your Fully Charged Life, A Radically Simple Approach to Having Endless Energy and Filling Every Day with Yay. She's an editor, on-air personality, lifestyle and health expert, a home hack master, and certified trainer. Megan was named Editor-in-Chief of Women's Day, charged with re-energizing the brand across print and digital. That follows a six-year stint as executive editor at Good Housekeeping, where Megan helped dust off and reimagine the 130-year-old mega brand. Megan is known for her high energy, upbeat personality, and lifestyle, which she shares regularly with her 33,000-plus Instagram followers on at Megan B. Murphy and at The Yay List. Through her personal platform, she's become a sought-after figure for lifestyle and wellness conferences and projects. A New Jersey native, Megan married her younger brother's best friend, Patrick, and together they have three children, Charlie, James, and Brooks, and we can't forget Labradoodle Dempsey. Hope you're caffeinated today and bring some high energy. Megan Murphy, welcome to Next Steps Forward. Yay! I like this name, Next Step Forward, because one of my mantras is just the word onward. Love it. Onward and upward. That's what we're here about. Mm-hmm. So, Megan, I'm looking forward to your thoughts on re-energizing Women's Day and the future of journalism. But I'd like to start with your new book, Your Fully Charged Life, A Radically Simple Approach to Having Endless Energy and Filling Every Day with Yay. The book is described as a practical guide to bringing your best self to every moment, even when the pressures of daily life leave you feeling overwhelmed, exhausted, and wallowing in negative thoughts. You were described in one documentary as a high-energy rock star mom. What inspired you to write this book? Because I can't picture you ever being overwhelmed, exhausted, and wallowing in negative thoughts. Well, I love this because I use myself as a guinea pig for all the tips and tricks and strategies that are science-backed in this book because as a child, my nickname was Grumpy. I wore a necklace with Grumpy the Dwarf. Um, My family called me Neggy Meggy. And I had some really tumultuous teen years, some tough times. Um, I had a really strong negativity bias and um, I really struggled. And it wasn't until my 20s and then in my 30s where I, I kind of stumbled into the field of positive psychology and fun filtered those some of those strategies for myself that I began to live differently. Um, but I was literally neggy Meggy until my 20s. Well, we're glad you outgrew that. And I have a question for you that we didn't discuss before. So on your website, you have uh, for the tab, the icon is a lightning bolt. And for our, our listeners, you can't see, but Megan's wearing a jacket with lightning bolts all over it. How and why is that your signature logo? Well, so it it's kind of has deep roots in my mom. So my mom, when I was a kid, we had this picture hanging in the family room of my mom and my dad on their honeymoon, which was a cross-country road trip to Yellowstone National Park. And in the picture, my mom had these really cool braids and this lightning bolt t-shirt. And I always looked at that picture and thought, my mom's cool. And my mom became this role model to me that everything is always possible and that you never need to ask permission, but you better ask forgiveness when you when you get it wrong. And so for me, a, a big piece of the lightning bolt is just that that role model of my mom of relentless possibility. Um, and then just this idea of of electric energy and this current um, that now kind of curses through me. I was thinking like lightning in a, in a jar or lightning in a bottle type of thing. So not too far off. Yeah. Yeah. So how did your personal experiences or background influence the content of the book? Sure. So, so I lost my father to pancreatic cancer. Um, when my dad was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, it was really quick and dirty. It's a really horrible cancer. At the time I had three small kids um, and I was struggling. I was struggling to get out of bed in the morning. I was struggling to find any kind of hope 
or I couldn't make sense of the world, right? Um, and it was at that time that I really um, began to lean even more deeply into the principles that I talk about in your fully charged life. And I started something called Operation Good Grief, which was just an exercise that I put myself through every day to find something that didn't suck. I would literally leave the house and go, okay, let's find something that doesn't suck today. Um, and it, it was forcing me to pause to appreciate that there was still good in the world when I felt this bad. And so I began to retrain my brain to find those glimmers of good, to find what I now call the yay in every day. And sometimes that was the daffodils blooming on the end of my walk. And sometimes it was like, holy mackerel, they made heart-shaped foam in my latte. That's insane. Maybe it was a really good workout or like a, a conversation with an old friend, but I would really focus on these things that didn't suck during these really hard days. And I did, did something a little bit, I took it a step further because I love science. I'm a service journalist and I documented that. But like the idea of keeping a journal was, was too laborious for me. So what I did was, because I'm very active on social media, I would post these yays and I would share them on social media with my community using the hashtag Operation Good Grief. And I didn't really explain too deeply what I was going through because I'm somebody who can't always talk about things until I'm through them. Um, but, I, but I began to have this community of yaysayers who were kind of cheering me on and finding the good with me. Um, and in that process, I also found grief mentors I did wind up connecting through people, through DMs and through social media who, were, who said, I, I know you're going through something and I want you to know I've been through that too. And a really brilliant, resilient strategy is finding mentors, grief mentors, giving someone who can give you proof, receipts, evidence that someday it won't hurt this bad and someday you will get out of bed with more ease. And that's really what... Um, happened for me. And there was a day that I was sitting with my dad in chemotherapy. And he said to me, you got, you, you got to share this. Like you're a writer, you know, he's like, and I said, okay, dad, I'm going to, I'm going to write a book. And oh, sometimes I get choked up when I talk to him, but I vowed to him in his chemotherapy chair that I would write this book and damn it, I did it. I love the phrase yaysayer. I've never heard that before. You know what? I got to write that down because I, I actually just came up with that on this podcast. You absolutely have to write that down. Yeah. You have to copyright it because the world has enough naysayers that the news is too negative as it is. And we need more yaysayers, not naysayers. And you're the lightning in the jar and you're leading that charge. And so I, I love oh it. I, I love that. That's why I love these kind of conversations because sometimes something will come out of my mouth. And I'm like, oh, that's the next thing. Yay. <laughs> that's, that's your next title for your book. Go yeah. copyright it. Call your lawyer. I all that good it. stuff. Bumper it. stickers and everything. T-shirts with yeah. lightning bolts. See what we're doing here? This is, this is beautiful. I love it. Make it magic. So what makes your approach to lifestyle and wellness unique or different from other books in the same genre? Sure. I mean, I I think that I, I, I truly use myself as a guinea pig. I truly... Um, like test everything out and and fun filter everything. So I think my my gift or my secret sauce, if you will, is this special fun filter. Because as somebody who's been in the service journalism field for what, like I'm gonna be 48, which just like can't even handle it, but I've been a journalist since I was 18 years old. So I've been in this field for 30 years. And so I've got some research chops and I'm really proud of that. But what I, my, my ability or my skill set is, is fun filtering those facts. Because if, there, the, you, if you don't want to use the news, the news is useless. So how can I give you fun filtered micro actions that can actually compel you to do something, to take action, to make change? Um, and so I think even something like creating a yay. the yay well that's just a fun filter to put my strategies are about taking action that doesn't feel so laborious because it's been fun filtered but it's still scientifically proven and backed and i know you focus on small changes and not look in habits that yield huge big results or bigly as some people like to say i like bigly is there a common denominator or a thread to all those small changes Sure. I think here's the thing. So first of all, when I was at Self Magazine, I was there eight or nine years and I was the fitness director and the lifestyle and the, what was my title? I think I was the deputy editor. And I was in charge of the self challenge. 
And that was a mind, body, and soul program that I put hundreds of thousands of women through. And what I learned coaching all of those women through big change is that if you think too big, you'll, you'll, you'll never get there, right? It's so daunting. Like thinking that you're broken and you need to be fixed and everything needs to be overhauled. Well, that's stinking thinking. That's absolutely debilitating. How can I possibly take any action onward when the future feels so daunting and too big? So I've always learned that micro actions are the best actions because they create that forward momentum. If I do one small thing today, I'm more likely to do one small thing tomorrow. If I don't do one big thing today, well, then I'm sure as hell going to do nothing tomorrow. So how can I create forward momentum? What can I do today that's going to help me to act later today and maybe tomorrow because it wasn't that daunting and I got through it more easily than I ever could have imagined. And it's creating this forward momentum. You've mentioned a few times your interest in science and the research that you've done. Your book is also described as being, quote, informed by the latest research in neuroscience, positive psychology, and inspiring examples of women and men who live fully charged every day, end quote. What are one or two things about the latest neuroscience research or positive psychology that surprised you most or you found especially effective for you? So I am the biggest fan of Dr. Martin Seligman. I call him Marty in my brain because I pretend we're best friends. Like I, that's the one person in the world like would love to have coffee with. Um, he's the forefather, the founding father of the positive psychology movement. And it was really when I found his work that everything clicked for me because it was until that time, what the, the psycholo what psychologists did was look at what was broke and tried to fix it. And he did the opposite. He looked what was right with people and tried to emulate it. So he looked at people who were thriving and said, what do they have in common? And this approach really resonated for me. I'm, I'm you know, a, a well-trained optimist. And, and I loved this idea of emulating positive traits rather than trying to, to focus on and fix what was broken. And that's where he came up with the perma theory of wellness, which is really like at my, my that's that's my core motivator right the p is for positive emotions the e is for engagements the r is for relationships the m is for meeting and the a is for accomplishments and when we're able to fill all of those buckets in our life it's impossible not to thrive and i looked at that and said well damn here's my recipe how can i fun filter each of those categories so that i can make sure i'm filling my bucket and that's really what i have set out to do and it's just such a beautiful thing like a for accomplishments. Guess what? We need gold stars. We need them. Not just in grade school when you get your A plus and a sticker on a test. Like grownups need sense of accomplishment too. And sometimes I think as grownups, like I was talking to my sister who's the mother of four. Guess what? Guess who doesn't get a lot of accolades? A mother of four. So where is she getting those checks? How is she filling that bucket of accomplishment? How is she getting that praise and that support that she needs? How can I give that support to other people? Is it simply a text saying like, you're doing a good job. You're a great mom. How can we be that for other people if that's what we need in ourselves? Simply knowing that this feeling of accomplishment is core, core to, to human happiness. Okay, how can I be that for someone else? And how can I get more of that in my life? Um, you know, relationships, understanding that we need each other and not just like our, our kids and our spouses and our in-laws. Like, no, no, I need the cashier. I need those weak ties too, because we thrive when we connect with others, whether we're introverted or extroverted or not, we need each other, right? There was days during the pandemic where I would sit on my front porch just to interact with the UPS man because I craved connection and I craved it because it's a basic human need. How do we fill these buckets? It's so true on that basic human need. And obviously COVID was, you know, the glaring hole in terms of what we need and what we what we were missing. To your point, you would hang out for the UPS or the Amazon guy. And, and my wife's the same way. She just needs to have that connectivity. But to go back to what you said earlier about the naysayers versus the yaysayers, mm -hmm. you know, now that we're through the pandemic, uh, you know, a year and a half-ish now, roughly a year, are we going back to the world? Do you think, in your own opinion, are we going back to the world prior to COVID in terms of the negativity or because when we first came out of it, everyone was just happy to see somebody and yeah. to hug and to shake hands and have Thanksgiving and all that. Is your opinion that just kind of given the news cycle of 24 seven and mostly naysayers, is that affecting our, our psyche doll? 
Well, first of all, I think everybody needs to put themselves on a news diet, like five to 10 minutes a day, because if you get sucked into that vortex, like it's, you will be miserable, right? Because, because bad news is loud. And unfortunately, the good news isn't always loud enough. I mean, I feel like one of my personal missions is to shine a spotlight and a flashlight on what is good because our negativity bias is so strong. It's really, really easy to focus on what's terrible. It's not so easy to focus on what's good. And I think we all have an obligation and an opportunity to turn our flashlight on the good, to be beacons of positivity, to dwell on the good right? To make it a little bit louder because the negative is so, so easy. And I, I try to do that on a daily basis um, and not in like a Pollyanna kind of way. I mean, I absolutely see what's awful, but if I decide to live there, I will absolutely be miserable. So why is that the right choice? It's not. <laughs> so I'm going to focus on what's good. The pumpkin coffee is out at Trader Joe's today. Guess what? That's not frivolous. That is the biggest yay of my day. No matter what hard things happen, I'm just going to smell this pumpkin coffee and be excited because I'm VIP variant pumpkin, just so you know. I think we're related somehow because I'm the same way. Our local donut shop down the street came out with pumpkin donuts last week and it was like it was Christmas morning. Like exactly. My kids were jumping up and down like, all right, let's go. Let's make the road trip. So I'm right there with you. I like the VIP. That's awesome. And if what you said a few moments ago, a key point in your book is about the value of cultivating gratitude and passing it along. Mm -hmm. Why is that so important? Is it in a sense like volunteering where we get more from giving than receiving or is there something else to it? Well, sure. Do good to feel good. Absolutely. But I mean, gratitude, I think, is the secret sauce in life. It is, it is, oh, gratitude. Oh, I mean, it, it can ease anxiety. It can elevate your mood. It can make, make, help you build stronger connections, Gratitude is everything and cultivating an attitude of gratitude is, is fundamental. And that is sort of the reason I sometimes feel like you need to be tricked into practicing gratitude because so many of us think like, yeah, well on Thanksgiving, we went around the table and I said what I was grateful for check. Right. Or like woke yogis with crystals in their pockets. Yeah. They practice gratitude. They keep a gratitude diary. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get gratitude. And the fact that you just call it a gratitude practice already feels homeworky and, and like, okay, I don't need to do that. But we absolutely need to pause and appreciate what's good in the world, what's good in our day, what's going right, even when a lot's going wrong. And it can be these small little things, but it does help retrain your brain to live with more optimism and joy. Um when I developed an attitude of gratitude and really, really cemented this practice, like I don't even have FOMO anymore. How could I worry about missing out? I, whatever I have and whatever I'm doing is already enough. That's a really great, happy way to live. So the next point here is the reason why I just ordered a copy of this book for my wife. And we've talked about that before the show. In the book, it says, learning to say no so you can fill your days with things that matter most to you. And you talked about FOMO. How do we know the right time to say no? And how do we say no without being selfish? So I, I am a relentless no-sayer. And that's because I'm a boundary boss. I'm absolutely good at protecting my time because it is my most valuable resource. So I say no because I want to say yes to what matters. So the first step is really understanding what matters to you. What matters most to me is family. So I'm going to say no to you if it means a yes to my family. I'm gonna say no to you if it means freedom. Freedom is one of my core values. I love to create more freedom and flexibility in my life. I'm gonna say no to you if it creates more freedom that frees me up for more family. Fun is one of my core values. I'm going to say no to you if it seems like a real buzzkill and it's not going to it's not going to open the fun, the fun floodgates, right? Like I know what matters to me. Step 1, understand what matters to you, then relentlessly protect it. Relentlessly say no because if you say yes to things that don't matter, you're also saying no to something that might. I give this example in the book of like, I volunteered to count box tops at the school, like those little pieces of cardboard. Why the hell did I volunteer to do that? I, like, 
And then I forgot, I left them in my mudroom, I'm on the train to work, and I realized I didn't count the box stops, I let the PTO down, I let myself down. Well, guess what? I sh that should have been a hard no, right? Because I would rather say yes to a, a, a kid facing activity like volunteering at the pumpkin fair versus sitting home alone at nine o'clock at night counting pieces of cardboard, right? I gave a bad yes. That bad yes meant I couldn't say yes to something that mattered. That should have been a hell no, a hard no. Saying no is a form of self-care. It is online with like getting a facial or going for a walk. Like it is a form of self-care. If you don't say more no's, you can't give good yeses. That's a perfect segue. As far as selfishness goes, I'd say more people are selfless than selfish. And that's especially true of women and certainly women with children. What advice do you have so that we can recognize the difference between selfishness and self-care and that we can do a better job of self-care? You see, I, like, I don't, selfish is yuck, right? Like, like, I don't even like that concept of selfish. Like, I think that everybody should do whatever it takes to be okay, right? It's really hard to be okay. So I think that everybody should pull every tool out of their toolkit Till they feel okay because if i'm not okay i can't be okay for you i can't be okay for my kids i can't be okay for my team i need to do whatever it takes to be okay and if that means i need to make my bed and i need to go for my ten thousand step walk and that means i need to get my nails done because i've been biting my fingers and they look like hell whatever that means i need to do those self-preservation self-care things so that I can be okay for everyone else. It's that whole put on your oxygen mask first, whatever that looks like, whatever that means, without guilt. I don't believe in guilt. I don't believe in mom guilt. It, it aggravates me. Obviously, you're very energetic and you're able to get an amazing amount of things done professionally, personally, and as a parent. This is the chicken or the egg question for you as an author. Is the book the result of habits you already had? Did you pick up the habits because of what you learned writing the book? Or is this a chicken and the egg situation where you already had that personality and some of these habits and the book helped you supercharge an already charged life? So I think it, it's been a very gradual transformation for me. I think I probably am naturally energetic because I do things that energize me. I protect my sleep. I've always been someone who protected my sleep. I um, move my body. I'm all about the health charge. So I move my body. I fuel my body properly. Um, those were things I had in place, which are part of a fully charged life, which are energizing, right? Good sleep, movement, healthy diet. I've always been someone who gravitates toward relationships and surrounding myself with people um, that boost me up and energize me and having a sense of community. Uh, it's really important to me and energizing. So some of those things were in place. And then I realized the science behind them later. And some of the things were things like gratitude wasn't something that some, was a practice I had to cultivate, which was strategies I had to adopt more mindfully and more strategically to really change my brain um, prioritizing positivity and becoming an optimist. That was work. I trained to live with optimism. I, that this is not, it wasn't natural to me. So, so some of it is, some of it is like, oh my gosh, the science backed up what I was already doing, sleep, movement, diet. And some of it was like, oh, science says I better work on a sense an attitude of gratitude. Okay. I can do that. What is that going to look like for me? And then putting that into practice for years and years until it became who I am. I've mentioned personality a few times. Some low-key personalities might not envision themselves as being fully charged or even willing or able to have a fully charged life. Mm -hmm. What would you say to that? Well, so I think fully charged looks different on everybody, right? So here comes my dog. So like a phone needs full battery to operate, right? Well, everybody's phone case is different. Everybody's screensaver is different, but everybody's phone needs to be fully charged at full battery to work. And I think we all work best with a full battery. What that looks like is different for everybody, just like our screensaver, just like our phone case. So for me, when I am fully charged and have optimal, you know, my buckets are full, it means that I am able to have a big personality and, and, you know, kind of 
do my them do my Megan, but somebody else could be at the same battery level and just function differently. Like my husband's fully charged looks nothing like mine, right? Like he is much more subdued, but like when he's operating fully charged, he's he's happy, he's content, he's feeling a sense of accomplishment, he's feeling a sense of connection, right? Like all of those things are happening. He just might not be doing cartwheels while it's happening. Many people struggle with maintaining a particular area of a healthy life lifestyle, whether it's diet, exercise, managing stress, or something else. How can we find a fully charged strategy that works for us across the board so we're able to overcome our own specific challenges? Sure. So what I think for people is like, focus on or drill down on one thing that seems easy, right? So if it's sleep, all right, I'm going to protect my sleep. I'm going to make sure I get to bed on time. I'm going to use these strategies to improve my sleep. Start there. Because once you have success in that area, you're going to, you're more likely to have spillover into other areas. So that's what happens, right? I'm sleeping well. Okay. Now I'm going to move my body. I'm going to start to exercise. And now I'm doing that. Well, let me add something else. It's this whole like ripple effect of good begets good begets good. But it can't be like, oh, I'm going to start with one of these like 10 different things. Check, 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 check. Oh my gosh, that's so daunting. Just pick one thing, make your bed today and see if that sense of accomplishment propels you to do one more good thing. And maybe that one good thing is like dress up to feel up and you're going to wear something when, and channel the power of enclosed cognition and wear something that makes you feel energized. Is your favorite color blue? Do you have a jean jacket with your name on it? Right? Like what's the next right thing that's going to propel you onward. I was saying in the beginning, like onward is always my hashtag. Because we talk about empowerment and well-being on next steps forward, how does or can well-being through living a fully charged life improve our personal empowerment? Yeah. So when, when you, okay, I want to know your definition of empowerment. What does empowerment mean to you and your audience? I think it means to be able to take the hill, not, not let anything get in your way, uh, have the strength and the courage to face your challenges. Got it. So that, so to me, that's resilience. And I do talk a lot about the brilliance of resilience, especially in the recharge chapter of the book. And that is really these tool, giving yourself tools to live with grit and grace. Um, and I have a lot of um, different things I practice with cognitive reappraisal and reframing what's lame to help people empower themselves with that resilience to live with grit and grace. We've been talking to Megan Murphy, and we'll be right back after a short break. Yay. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. The White House doctor makes house calls. Listen every week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. Dr. Connie has served as the White House physician under three U.S. presidents. Now she joins the Voice America Empowerment Channel to help you enrich yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Our guests will include professionals from a variety of fields who will bring you tips that you can apply to your own life. Listen for House Calls with Dr. Connie every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Next Steps Forward. To reach Chris Meek or his guest on the show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to Chris at nextstepsforward.com. Now, back to this week's show. 
And we are back. I'm Chris Meek, host of Next Steps Forward. And my guest today is Megan Murphy. Megan, Megan is the author of Your Fully Charged Life, a radically simple approach to having endless energy and filling every day with yay. She's an editor, on-air personality, lifestyle and health expert, a home hack master, and certified trainer. And she coined the phrase yay, yay sayer. Megan was named Editor-in-Chief of Women's Day, charged with re-energizing the brand across print and digital. That follows a six-year stint as executive director, I'm sorry, she's executive editor at Good Housekeeping, where Megan was working to dust off and, and reimagine the 130-year-old mega brand. Megan, newspapers and magazines have been dying because their older audiences are dying. Younger people don't much care for the tactile experience of print and paper and the glut of online competition that delivers information much faster. You were brought in to, quote, dust off and reimagine the 130-year-old Women's Day mega brand. What about that challenge was so compelling that you were willing and eager to take it on? So, I, I mean, I love the power of print. I've been a magazine editor since I was 18 years old. Um, you know, I, I just love the industry. I love that I get to make magazines. It is such a treat. And I think for me, it's kind of exciting that it's changing and evolving so much, right? Like 30 years later, I'm glad I'm not doing the same job. And I sort of enjoy a challenge. Um, I enjoy the, the, the changing face of the media industry. And I've been very lucky that I've been able to sort of pivot and swerve and kind of use some of my other talents to really kind of create a nice career. And others have taken on similar challenges on short. How will you measure the fact how you get the key is, is that the industry is absolutely changing. The advertising model is different. I think you're going to just have fewer magazines but more curated premium products, right? So if I stop making 12 magazines a year, maybe I'm making six magazines a year, but that's gonna be a more premium product. It's going to probably be have better paper. Maybe it's perfect bound. Um, it's got a richer assortment of content that's not so closely tied to it's October, but more of a feeling, right? It's fall, it's Halloween. So it's just changing the way we package that content because you know you can't compete with the immediacy of a daily website or a daily Instagram feed. But there's still something really special about print. And, and frankly, it's more researched. It's more reliable. I mean, nothing goes to print that hasn't been really, really carefully vetted by our researchers and our copy editors and, and gone through layers of editing and editors. So like, that's the real deal content versus the junk that my sons will say, oh, I saw that on YouTube, mom. And I'm like, that's YouTube truth. That's not really true. That's not, that's not an actual fact, guys. So I'm really proud to be able to still make a magazine. And I think there's also nothing like seeing yourself in the pages of a magazine. We have a really popular feature called Finding Joy, where we're able to highlight teachers and veterans and nurses, real people doing really awesome things. I'm telling you, when that arrives in their mailbox or they see that on the newsstand in the grocery store and they get to say, that's me. There is absolutely, truly nothing like that. And maybe as a follow-up to that, does it come down to offering something else no one can provide in a very, very competitive market? Uh, yeah, yeah, right? I mean, here's the thing. is like I'm giving you this beautiful six-page feature. When you click through a web article, does it feel the same? No, it doesn't. And like I'm making something. My covers are what I like to call funlicious and and... Like you want that on your coffee table, right? Like no you're question. not going to leave your phone open on a website, right? Like <laughs> this goes on my coffee table. This sets the tone for October. You know, it's it's a very different experience. And I mentioned younger people earlier in the show. How can magazines like Women's Day attract and keep millennials, Gen X, Gen Z, Gen whatever, and future generations? Well, I think with a, with a magazine like Woman's Day, I think it's really interesting. It's sort of like they, they're often missing out on like the fact that my mother never taught me this. My grandmother never taught me this. My grandfather, my, my dad or my grandfather never taught me this. There's sometimes those basic like life lessons of like, here's how to set a really awesome table. Here's the best way to make a 20 minute meal. Here's the best way to celebrate 
Halloween. And here are some really incredible people that deserve your attention. Um, I think we get to curate this information that transcends all ages and stages. And that is, is really special. It, it feels more important in paper, on paper, right? Like there's just something, the magnitude of this permanently in print thing. It just is, it's just more important. You just touched on some traditions that, you know, you, you highlight in the magazine. What traditions are millennials, Gen X and Gen Z keeping and which ones are they discarding? And how's your publication evolving to preserve the right traditions and jettison the outdated ones? So our, our real mandate at Women's Day is I like to call us destination celebration, no holiday left behind from Taco Tuesday to Christmas. We absolutely lean into national days. And that is really because when we started taking over the magazine in March, 2020, in the middle of the pandemic, the height of the pandemic, I really felt like people needed reasons to celebrate, reasons to punctuate dark, hard days with moments in love, love levity and light. And if like celebrating National S'mores Day gave you a happy distraction from the fact that you were like wiping down your groceries with Clorox wipes, like that's what I was here for. And like, I don't care if Hershey's invented the fact that marshmallows and chocolate and graham crackers get together, get to get together today for National S'mores Day. I'm just going to eat them. And I'm going to show you five ways to eat them. That was our whole mandate was like, give people a reason to find the yay to be okay today, especially when it's hard. Can you go back to the mandate again? We talked about Taco Tuesday to Christmas. That was impressive. No holiday left behind from Taco Tuesday to Christmas. I, I will that. give you a reason to celebrate every day because if you can't punctuate tough days with moments of levity and light, you'll never thrive. You'll never be okay. It's always just going to be too hard. That's amazing. That's the highlight of the show for me. And yay, Sarah. <laughs> and how have you witnessed the journalism profession evolve over the course of your career and especially in recent years? Listen, I mean, I, I make a, I make a magazine now with one other editor and two art people and one social person. Uh, years ago when I was at self magazine, I mean, I think I had a staff of five just to do the fitness pages, right? I mean, we used to make phone books with big, robust teams you know, that's not how it is now. Uh, I don't, I no longer have an assistant. I no longer have budgets. Um, you know, my mandate now is like, be as scrappy as you can possibly be. And that's what I do. And for me, it's a fun challenge because I already know how to make magazines, great magazines with big budgets. Now I get to make a really great magazine with no budget. And that feels like such a fun win. How do you see the relationship between journalists and their audiences evolving and what role does engagement and feedback play? You know, so it's interesting with print, you don't get that some, that kind of real time feedback that you do with like an Instagram post. So I think a lot of it is for me is I still edit with my gut and I say, what do I need right now? And I assume if I need it, whether that's a solution or the information or a reason to smile, I just assume someone else needs that too. And that's what I'm delivering. So for me, it's about keeping my finger on the pulse of, of community and pop culture and figuring out, okay, what do I need? Because I bet somebody else needs that too. And then delivering that in a really fun filtered way. I've talked to a lot of young people who are interested in a journalism career, but they believe they can't make a living doing it. Newspaper editorial jobs have been notoriously low paying jobs for decades. What advice would you have for a young Megan B. Murphy if you're starting the profession today? So for me, I always say, chase what excites you. My degrees in theater. What excited me, what always excited me was performance, with connecting with an audience, with connecting people, um, with being an evangelist for things I loved. I fell into journalism. I'm good at it because at my core, what I really am is an evangelist for information. So don't go into journalism worrying about how you're going to pay for pay your mortgage. Go into journalism because you want to be an evangelist for good stories, because you're compelled to tell good stories, because you're compelled to give people the news they can use right now. Like focus on what motivates you beyond a paycheck, right? Because that's that's never the right job to chase. You got to be excited because if you're not excited, you'll you'll never be good. 
And just as with your essay that caught the attention of YM's editors, you created your own breaks throughout your career. How can aspiring and beginning journalists create their own breaks these days? Well, I think it's really easy now, right? Like when I was a kid, when I was a kid, I walked to school, you know, but like there was no social media, right? So like you get to build your own brand. You get to tell your own stories on your own personal platform that can really serve as like a portfolio. You can connect with people who are doing things you want to be doing. You can slip into their DMs. You can comment on their, on their stories. You can participate in the top people in your field's worlds through social media. Like that is a dream. I never had any of that. Right. So like put yourself out there and use that platform as a portfolio. So one of the biggest things I say to people like social media is a true gift. It absolutely gets you, allows you to put yourself out there and have this portfolio. But also that doesn't mean like if you're doing like keg stands or something, please don't share. Like understand that this is a, a platform for your future and a place to cultivate your own brand and to shine a spotlight on what you're doing in a really curated and careful way and a really genius way to connect with people like me who might pay attention. Obviously your role with Women's Day wasn't your first job. You've had several jobs in the journalism profession, but you also had a unique role with the community of Westfield, New Jersey. What did you do as chief spirit officer? Mm -hmm. So the former mayor appointed me chief spirit officer. Um, and here's the thing. So we moved to my town 10 years ago and one of my core values is community. I really believe that if you don't love where you live, you should move. And I'm very serious about that. Like your home should be a place that you love, right? You should love where you live. And so when I first moved here, um, it was really important for me to give back, to be a part of the community. So I started doing, I was, I brought in my friend Kate Parker who wrote Strong as the New Pretty. And we did a, a book signing and a yoga event and tied it into the Athleta store and, and did a whole big event. My, fr my friend Vern Yip um, from HGTV, I brought him into a home store and we did a book signing and a girls' night out event. My friend, um, I'm on live with Kelly and, and Mark a bit. I'm friends with Michael Gelman and his wife, Lori Gelman, had a new book out called Class Mom. I did a big back to school um, charity drive for Boys and Girls Club, collecting school supplies, and I had her come in and do a book signing and a mom's night out. And so I was doing these events, trying to rally the community, to give back, to show my love for this place I got to live. And the, the mayor at the time recognized that um, and said, hey, like, do you want to be chief spirit officer? It was sort of like a, a made up appointment, but it gave me the opportunity to go to the town hall meetings and showcase businesses. I would show off three businesses at every town hall meeting. I wrote a little column for the local paper called Meet the Neighbors, and I would spotlight people in the community that were pretty awesome that you might not otherwise know about. You know, we had a, a really incredible eye surgeon who rode around on this like speed bike with her four kids. And we had a guy who was in a one hit wonder rock band. And I just thought everybody should know about these people. We had a stunt double for the Sopranos. You know, it was, it was a chance for me to really celebrate my community. And um, it, it's something I still do. I run the social media as a hobby. I have an Instagram account called at Bestfield, New Jersey. My town is Westfield. I call it Bestfield because I think everybody should try to make their community the best it can be. Um, and I do that for fun. I mean, it's just me saying like, oh, this is a new opening or you should check out this business or they have a sale on backpacks for back to school or you should try this whatever avocado smoothie. It's really just a place to... Once again, celebrate my community. I really believe that life is about celebrating each other, celebrating our communities, cele celebrating small business, celebrating our wins and each other's wins. It's all about celebration. You referenced a few times how social media has become a major factor in reshaping mass media. <clears throat> Excuse me. You're making extensive use of social media in the Women's Day rebranding. How exactly are you re-energizing Women's Day with social media? So, you know, to prior to it, for me taking it on, like we didn't really have much attention to our social media platforms. And, you know, we have a, a small digital team, but we've used our platform, our, our Women's Day handle to do things like 
highlight reasons to celebrate. So every Monday we'll put out a little calendar of the week's days of celebration. So whether it's like National Grandparents Day or National Read a Book Day, we're going to give you ideas for how to embrace those days, to look forward to those days, to find good things to do on those days. As an author, I love to celebrate other authors. So we always invite authors to come on and make videos with their new books. We do some IG lives, meeting interesting and unique people. Um, our reader is very faith-based. So we often share Bible verses that are meaningful to them. Um, they love our recipes. So it's, it's really a, a way of bringing some of the content from the magazine to life on Instagram. And my personal Instagram, um, it just keeps growing and growing. I just had this crazy viral dance video that made me so happy. And, and I now have all of these new followers, which has really been super fun. But for me, it's, it's a way to connect more immediately with an audience, to share in real time, to road test ideas, um, you know, to helpfully give people news they can use. Today is two lunch Tuesday at our school, which means you pack a second lunch for charity. I wish everyone would steal that idea. Everybody brings a second lunch on Tuesday and then they collect them and they bring them to a homeless shelter. Like how great that I can share that on my social media platform and maybe inspire someone else to do the same, to start a two lunch Tuesday in their community. So for me, it's just this incredible real-time place to share information and to connect with people and to road test ideas. I just wrote down two lunch Tuesday. So I'm gonna try and bring it to Stanford, Connecticut. So I, I love that. So thank you. What are some of the challenges and successes that you've seen in doing this? You know, I don't really dwell on the challenges. Um, I celebrate the successes. Um, and, you know, I think one of the biggest wins we had at Women's Day this year is we did a small article on, a, on an organization called Dove.org that pairs veterans with kidney donations. And we've gotten two veterans kidneys. So when you think about that, it's like, oh, print matters. Yeah, like we've, we've got a big voice and when we use it for good, we make change. And that is so, like that's just so stinking rewarding. Having doing, uh, done a lot of work with veterans for 13 years and so I appreciate you doing that. That's just amazing. Uh, and a kidney, I mean, you saved somebody's life. We saved two. We saved, yeah, it's, it's that simple. Unbelievable. Like it's, and it's like, that's the joy in my job, right? Like understanding that what we do, if you bring two lunch Tuesday now to Connecticut, like I win, right? Like that is, that's the goal is to have this, to, to be a force of positive change in this world, because it's so easy to be negative and it's so easy to, to dwell on what stinks, but what one, what positive impact could I make today? And I get it. Some people are like, oh, she's such a Pollyanna, la, 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 la. I've lived differently. It just feels better to live this way. I just wrote down, be a force of positive change. So you're uh, yeah. you're making making some waves today. Yay. Now let's try and make your phone blow up. You have okay. more than, than 30,000 followers on your social media I've accounts. got like 42,000. Oh, look, look who's this. bragging now. No, because it blew my mind. I hadn't, like, because you wrote that in your email. Then I looked and I was like, Holy crap. Oh my gosh. I have 42,000 followers. I'll tell you my communications guy for writing the wrong numbers and do his homework. So first of all, how can people follow you? And second, how should people in the audience use social media to empower themselves? Sure. So I am, my name is, it's at Megan, M-E-A-G-H-A-N, the letter B Murphy. Um, and that is my Instagram handle. I love getting DMs. I, I love chatting back and forth. If you have story ideas or products you love, you know, I do a lot of segments on today's show in live with Kelly and Mark. I'm working on a second book and I would love to hear some of your favorite hacks or tricks or tips or techniques. If you're reading my book and you loved something, wow, please tell me about it. I know a lot of people love my audible and love to go on a walk with me. I love to hear that. Like it's the A for accomplishment. Like when you reach out to me, you slide into my DMs or you like or comment on something, that's a high five. And that is the A for accomplishment and the permit theory of wellness. And damn, it makes me feel good. So thank you. And I love the high five things just going in my mind. When you do the Peloton, you can high five somebody and it's just like that keeps you going and right? keeps you moving. So, like, it's it's that it's just that little bit of validation that little bit of i did that and now i'm going to do the next thing and it's that simple right yeah. it's a high five a fist bump an attaboy at a girl 
in addition to your your Instagram account, I want folks to look at, I've got this site up here, meganbmurphy.com as well. Again, it's M-E-A-G-H-A-N, B Murphy. It's a phenomenal website, uh, lightning bolts everywhere, which is just amazing. Uh, so it really gets you supercharged, just logging into it and looking at it. Um, and there you are smiling at me in two, play, two screens right now. <laughs> so we've got a few minutes left here. Who are your role models, either in or out of your profession? And what is it about them that inspires or motivates you? So I would say I have lots of different mentors. I have grief mentors. So when my when I was losing my dad, I looked to a woman who had also lost her father to pancreatic cancer 10 years earlier. And she was my role model of resilience. She was my evidence and my proof that I would eventually be okay. I had a double mastectomy last October and went through a, a long recovery journey. And I had a mom who had been through the same uh, surgery a year earlier. She was my mentor. I, I just looked to her to know that someday I would feel better, that I would raise my arm over my head and I would, I would be okay, right? So for me, it's not about like, oh, this career person that I hope to be like someday. I have different mentors at different times. When I am struggling, I look to someone who has overcome that struggle as the receipt, the proof, the evidence that someday I will come to the other side. And any struggle I'm going for, going through, I am absolutely looking for that person because you just need that evidence that this too shall pass. We've talked about your positivity, your supercharged life, your, your lightning bolt in the bottle. Have you ever told yourself it's okay to not be okay? Oh gosh, yeah. I, I mean, most days I'm, I, you know, I start out really unokay, and then I lean into my toolkit and I pull out the tool to sort of tinker and get okay, right? Like, I don't wake up okay. Who does, right? But I'm, but I'm really confident and and secure in the fact that I've got the right tool for the job. And sometimes I might have to dig through the toolkit and and try on a couple different things. But I know that I have the strategies, that I have the resources, that I have the fully charged toolkit to get through my worst bad day. Because so far, I have survived every bad day. My worst bad day didn't get me. I'm still here. And tomorrow's going to start out better for you because you've got your Trader Joe's pumpkin coffee. Oh, my God. And Trader Joe's gluten-free pumpkin bagels, gluten-free pump. I've got the cream cheese, and I've got the gluten-free pumpkin muffins. I'm celiac. So I'm, I'm like, and they have gluten-free pumpkin raviolis now too. So my birthday's later this month and I love pumpkin Me like too. you do. When's your birthday? And, uh, the 30th. Oh wait, um, I keep thinking it's October because I'm like- Because your magazine says October. Because I'm a magazine person. <laughs> I'm October 28th. <laughs> so Megan, I like to bring it, our guests into the close here. Tell our audience something that can be, make them less stressed and more content and more empowered. You just take it from here, please. Ask yourself what made you say yay today? Like actively focused on a yay. It's something I do with my family when we're sitting around the dinner table. Like, all right, hit me with your yay. What made you say yay today? Pausing to appreciate and to recognize and to take stock in one good thing every day can have an incredible effect on your psyche and help you start to practice gratitude. Megan Murphy. Thank you so much for being with us today. It was an absolute honor, privilege, fun. I felt your energy for the last 52 minutes, so I really appreciate it. And I want to leave our listeners and viewers again, be a force of positive change and to Lunch Tuesday. Yay! Thanks to, <laughs> thanks to our listeners. I'm Chris Meek. We're out of time. I'll see you next week, same time, same place. Until then, stay safe and keep taking your next steps forward. Thanks for tuning in to Next Steps Forward. Be sure to join Chris Meek for another great show next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, make things happen in your life.